Welcome to the System Hub Podcast. Hola. Konnichiwa. Guten Tag. Where we interview world-class experts. You have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. I was fanatical in my 20s. If you could find a way to produce a business that works without you, your life would change like that. Extracting, organizing, and optimizing their best systems and processes for rapid business growth. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, welcome to the Business Systems Summit, and I'm really excited for this session because I'm talking to a really good friend of mine who I've known for, well, I'd say probably more than 10 years now, or about 10 it's, years. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you've still stuck around, so <laughs> we must be doing something good. So yeah, Ben Stickland from an Alliance Software who runs, it's an agile software development company that got founded just before 2000. And I think what I love most about Ben is just how passionate he is about business and particularly marketing and business process optimization. So it felt like a, a really good fit for this particular summit that we're running. I got to know him first through uh, Noble Samurai, which was a, a company that had a software that was one of his side companies, actually, that uh, had a software package that was really big in the SEO space, Market Samurai very quickly became the market leader in that space for keyword research. And through his Alliance software, he's actually founded quite a few different startups and continued to build Alliance software as well. So very much a great pleasure to uh, invite Ben to the Business Systems Summit. So Ben, welcome to the call. Absolutely. And it's it's my pleasure to be here. As as you said, we, we go back a fair way and we've used Dave's services in various companies that he's had as well and had good success and really good return on investment from those. So really happy to be a part of it and, and, and excited about the session. Yes, it's a good testament that we're good friends, that we're recording this late at night. Both of us are at home. And uh, yeah, so we've made a little bit of time. And I'm excited for this session because Ben's going to really drill into some of the top serious problems that I find a lot of business owners have, particularly as they start to scale and grow and grow their teams. So I'll let Ben take it away. He's got a a bit of a framework and a methodology that will walk us through about how he manages the business, how he keeps them focused on track and make sure that the business is all growing in the same direction. So I'll let you dive in, Ben. And if it's all right with you, I'll just chime in when I've got questions or, or want a little bit of clarification. Absolutely. Sounds great. The topics that I want to talk about have made a real difference in our business, particularly in Alliance Software. And, and I think it would be fair to say that I've, for many years, been a lover of all things marketing and systems. And, and the processes I want to talk about are things that we've executed in our business. And in some ways, I'm almost kicking myself that I didn't get these right a number of years ago. But gee, it's been powerful to observe the effect of getting them sorted out in our business. And so even for a business that has I think we were 20 staff when we started to implement these and, and more like 25 and a bit above now. These have been really useful for us. And, and so I think there's a lot of value in them. We're going to look at a, really three key issues. Very briefly, we'll look at formalizing your leadership team and how to structure a great leadership team. The next topic I want to look at is setting direction and vision for your company and and, and kind of demystifying that. I think there's a lot of people for whom that that feels like something where we should navel gaze and, and think nasal gaze. <laughs> we should feel like we have some great bolt of lightning, but it can actually be very systematic and, and really helpful when it's done well. And then lastly, I want to look at just the whole notion of the rhythms of your business, how you get your business really humming, how you get people accountable, how you get people focusing on the strategic and, and making the kind of the long-term vision part of something that you do every week and every month and every quarter. And these processes They'll force you to make some hard decisions, but when they're made, the clarity that they bring has been really 
impactful for us and I think it'll be really good for people who are following it. So hopefully there's some good materials in there. Now, full disclosure on all of these things, the only kind of doubt in my mind as I, as I bring this forward is that some of the listeners might think, well, I've heard bits and pieces of that before. And it would be fair to say that there's a number of great books that I've picked these bits and pieces up from, you know, going back early as things like the E-Myth through to more recently, a couple of books that have had really good impact on me. One is Scaling Up by Vern Harnish and Scaling Up the Rockefeller Habits. There's some really good information here and, and bits of that will come through. And the other one would be Traction by Gino Wickman, I think is his surname. And I say that because there's two books out that are popular called Traction at the moment. One's about startups and the second's about business processes. And I gave one of these to a good friend of ours, Eugene, this book Traction. And he came back and he said, you know, he said, there's nothing new in that book. And I said, yeah, but it's the first time that I've actually applied all of those strategies and I've seen just how how impacting they can be. And so there's some good resources and, and, and background if you want to dig deeper into some of these. And I'm sure we can make those available in the notes as well. I was going to ask, so there's these three sections that we'll go through and it might make more sense at the start of each one of those sections or maybe now. I just want to understand a little bit about maybe this, the problems that these particular systems you put in place to solve. Like what are some yeah. of the things that are going on in the business that makes you think that's why we deployed this as an idea? So the first one, we had the challenge in our business. So if I look at, say, Alliance Software, at roughly kind of 25 staff, we had, there's myself, there's four project managers, there's a head of finance, head of sales, then we have a whole bunch of developers and amongst those developers, there's a hierarchy as well. And so being an inclusive person, I was trying to get different people engaged in different ways and wanting to run meetings where we were talking about future direction, but having everybody involved. And then you have a meeting with 12 people there, half the company, and and people really didn't know where they fit in. And not really feeling like I had a a structure to say, well, these are the key people that I'm going to relate to. And then I'm going to expect them to actually relate to other people in the business and and sort of that growth from, hey, I know everybody, I recruited everybody, we're all friends through to, we're still all friends, but hey, we've actually got some hierarchy and structure and how that's going to work. And so the first thing that, and this is a really simple thing that we did, is we established a leadership team and an organizational chart. Now, that won't sound as it's anything that's that's super new, but the technique that we did to do this, and I was a little blunt when I did it, the process that we did is we said, okay, what are the core processes that drive our business? And typically, your list can't be more than like eight or nine. You know, it's going to be somewhere between five to nine processes. Typically, there's going to be one that's going to be finance. For us, I think it's, it's finance and legal is we, we've called that one center of the business. We've got another one, which is uh, project delivery and, and, and business systems. For us, we've got, we're a tech company. So we, we, by way of background, we build complex custom software for businesses typically. And so there's sort of project delivery. Oh, sorry. And the next one is technology and infrastructure. We've got another one, which is sales and specifications. So when we sell something that's it's a complex sale, we have to, there's a lot of work to extract requirements. We've got another one, which is marketing and brand. And then another one, which is HR and recruitment. And so we, we essentially said, these are the core functions of our business. And we said, there's one that sits above those, which is leadership and oversight and, and making sure all of those work. And so what we did is we said, okay, they are the core things that need to work well to run our business. Then we asked ourselves the question, who owns them? Who is the person within the business that we're going to make accountable 
to drive that part of the business? Who are we going to give enough autonomy, enough responsibility? And some of them got multiple names. So for example, I head up leadership, but I also head up marketing. I We brought in a part-time HR manager. And so I still head up HR officially, but I've delegated most of my responsibilities to him. Whereas we've got one person only who does project delivery. We've got one person only does finance and legal. We've got one that does the tech side, giving it a tech company, we've got one that does sales. But now we've decided what the key roles are and we've decided who owns them. And the people who own the key roles in your business are your leadership team. If they don't own a key role, they don't get to be on your leadership team. It's just that simple. Now, that doesn't mean that the other people aren't important. So for example, our head of operations, he looks after four other project managers in the same way that I have a weekly meeting with my leadership team. And we're going to talk about a really good structure for meetings. I mean, meetings might sound like a boring thing, but gee, if you do them well and you follow the structure that that we found really useful, I think it'll add a lot of value as in it'll make them like twice as good as they previously were. Um, he runs a similar meeting with his with his group. And similarly, the person who heads up tech, we've got a tech leadership group that oversee the tech leadership of all of our projects and the tech lead heads up that, those groups. And so it might sound a bit sort of hierarchical, but what it's allowed us to do is to say, well, within my each person, this is my area and I've got key deliverables that I have to deliver on every quarter and I've got key things that I'm accountable for. So now the mistake that I made is I brought all of them in the room and so don't do this, but I brought all of them in the room like the, the 10 or 12 people who had some level of authority in our business. And I said, what are the key functions? We thrashed them all out. I said, now, who would be the best people to run them? And I had some ideas, but we, I took some input on and we put names next to them. I said, okay, you're the leadership team. And it was a little bit sad for all the people that weren't on the leadership team. All of a sudden, it, it took a little bit of, you know, you can tell I come from the IT space. We can be a little bit direct sometimes. What it did is it, looking back, it's been a great way. And even people that kind of weren't on the leadership team actually have spoken to me privately and said, look, I always felt like a bit of a fish out of water. I didn't really know what those meetings were trying to do. Now I'm part of a meeting where there's four or five of us and we're all trying to solve the same problems and we've got capacity to do that. So formalizing your leadership team essentially is the forerunner to the other elements of your business. And so along with formalizing your leadership team, we created a really simple chart, which just says, these are the eight boxes. This is who's in them. And these are the three or four key things that they have to do to perform well. So if you're a salesperson, you've got to convert leads effectively and you've got to write great specs to hand over to, to project managers. You know, if you're in marketing, you've got to generate leads that are of the right caliber and the right type. If you're at leadership, you've got to look after your key clients and you've got to make sure everything else happens, similar for finance, legal, etc. So just getting that clear, sounds crazy. We didn't do it a lot of years ago and maybe we needed to be big enough to have the structure to demand it, but that's been really helpful for us. So that's number one. Before I go on to the other few, Dave, any, any questions on that one, mate? No, that that just makes sense. Um, as far as like how you're sharing that then, then, is that just something that lives virtually that everybody sees? Do you have it print out and stuck to a wall? Is that something that's referred to? So we introduced it to the company and we have, for some people, put it on the wall. It hasn't been a big thing that we've needed to, to do that way. Once we personalized it, everybody knew about it because then the, mm. the tech lead, the, 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 so we've got a, a sort of a CTO, and we've got a level underneath that called tech leads. So we've actually got multiple tech leads who can lead a project. I didn't need to tell them that the CTO was the CTO because they were meeting with the CTO every week to yeah. discuss technical direction and technical issues for the company and make those key decisions as that leadership group. So once we trickled it out for three or four weeks, everybody knew what it was. Yeah. 
And does it list everybody in the organization or just the leadership team? No, so it's just the leadership team. And then the, yeah. and if we just added one level underneath it, we would actually list out about half the organization. So Makes sense. Yeah, perfect. So the next thing was setting the vision and direction of the company. And so there'll be people listening to this for whom setting the vision and direction and deciding what you're going to do as a company is really easy. But the reality is for us, I have found that difficult over time. I mean, you know, if I was being really honest, mm-hmm. it was like, be good and get bigger. That was about as, as, as kind of as sophisticated as it got. And I think I looked at it and, you know, to some degree, we were kind of in this industry where you know, if we just serve our market really well, we get lots and lots of more work. And so we were sort of wrestling with what this looked like. And I had feedback from, from a staff member once who said to me, Ben, he said, everything about this company, he said, except I don't have a really clear direction on where we're going and what we're trying to do. And so one of the books that, that I read gave me eight questions that we answer regularly. And those eight questions for us really help us clarify what our vision and what our direction and and what we're trying to achieve is. So just to run you through what those questions are. The the first question is, what's our core product or service focused? What are we going to do and what are we not going to do? And actually deciding on the things that you're not going to do. So for us, for example, we know how to build promotional websites, but we don't do it. If you come to us for a promotional website, I'll say, no, thanks. Here's five good companies that can do that. Similarly, we've got through our samurai business, we've got a lot of experience in online marketing, like a lot of it. And I happen, it happens to be my area of passion. I can talk about it really well. We cut that service out. We don't offer any online marketing. We specialize only in the development of complex custom software. And what that does is for us, for a company that's small to mid-size now, it makes it really easy to stand up and say, this is what we do. And this is the market we're appealing to. And so just deciding on what your core product and service is, is the first base level question. The second question is, what are your core values? Now, when I read this and I was prompted to do it, I've got to tell you, I squirmed. Because when I think about core values, the word synergy just somewhere <laughs> finds itself in core values. And it says, we're going to have, like, I don't know, I despise the word synergy. And so, so I looked at this and I thought, oh, I'm going to do it because I agreed I was going to, with my team, we'd follow this process out. And Anyway, we sat down to talk about core values and I've become a convert. I've drunk the Kool-Aid. And for us, the big thing to know about core values is core values typically are actually a reflection of the things that matter to the most important, most important, I don't want to be the most important, but to the owner or the founder of the business. So they are generally a reflection of that person's key drivers. And when core values are that, then they're driven with with purpose and they actually can become a really good guide for who you are. When core values are used because, hey, we, we're really bad at this thing, so let's go and make a core value to not be bad at it. Well, if you're bad at it and you've been bad at it for a while, making it a core value isn't going to stop you being bad at it. It's just going to tell everyone that these core values are rubbish. So to give you an example, I'm really transparent. My personality type is, and sometimes it frustrates my wife, I will tell anybody anything about my world. I'll tell you about my finances. I'll tell you about my history. Like I'm just a very much an open book and we have created that culture with our customers. So when you're working in tech projects, some companies, when there's a problem, it's like they put up the veneer and say, everything's fine. And behind the background, they're swimming, 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 swimming. We take the exact opposite approach. We're like, if there's a problem, 
we want the customer to know straight away because one thing does a lot of good things. Half the time, when you take a problem to the customer, they actually can give you a solution. They can say, hey, there's this problem, but they then fully know what's going on. They can talk to you about it. And we play that kind of really transparent game and we play it internally. So to give you an example, I share the company's financials down to our dollar profit with our company on a regular basis. I have no problems doing that. I say to them all, if you can help us make more profit, I've got no problems talking about wages, but don't talk to me about wages when we're not making enough profit to justify it. And so that's become one of our company values that we're just really transparent with people inside and outside the company. And so there's three or four, uh, sorry, there are three other ones that have worked for us. But the, the technique is figure out what your core values are and then talk about them on a regular basis. Make them part of what your DNA is. We're kind of starting with, at the soft end and then we're going we're gonna to work through to the hard end of this sort of vision setting piece. The next one is just figuring out what your purpose is in business. And so for us, it's really simple. So we just want to make people's lives better. And it, I know that feels like a save the world kind of flowery thing, but that's just become the filter through which we work. So we don't do, we don't do the, the obvious stuff. Like we don't do porn sites and or other things. I mean, some people might think that does make people's lives better. I don't know. But those things that by my set of value and ethics aren't things that we want to be involved with. But similarly, you know, we had members of staff who we, were, we got offered a contract to do a very large piece of development for a private prison. And we had members of staff come to me and with genuine concern that, hey, this company is doing private prisons is, has done stuff out of the US. And if you look at what they've done in the US, there was very much an argument that they are profit-driven and not helping people-driven and that they've done a lot of bad things to actually perpetuate some pretty horrible cycles in American society. And so we opted out of what was a very lucrative contract at that time based on the fact that it, it doesn't kind of sit with that core ethic of, of helping people. And so... Typically, when you're thinking about your core purpose, the way you like to think about it is you say, okay, what do I do? Okay, so I help people's websites rank better in Google. Okay, so, so, so where does that leave me? Okay, so that's going to get me more leads. Okay, so what does more leads look like? More leads looks like um, I get to pick the best customers I can really give great service to and I, I don't have to work with everybody. I'm not desperate anymore. And what does that mean? Well, that means that I can, I can deliver great value and I can give freedom to the, in, into my life. And it's kind of like you kind of, in, I'm picking Dave's business here, but you kind of roll that forward until you pretty much get to the world, to the answer, make the world a better place, or, you know, save the world. And you kind of roll one or two steps back and, and just having that high level thing of saying, okay, I get out of bed to make people's lives better. I want to make my customers' lives better. I want to make my staff's life better. And I only want to be involved in projects that make the general community a better place to live in. And that's the filter. And that just gives me a, a feel-good sense in terms of going to work. So that's been useful. The next one down, so we're up to number four now, is it's got different names. People will call this thing different names. Some people call it a BHAG or a big, hairy, audacious goal. Other people will call it a 10-year goal. But it's really just saying, okay, if we just smash this thing, what does smashing it look like? You know, what, what, what is that end goal? And so, you know, for us, it would be a certain size of company and it would be recognized as the best developers of custom software in the city of Melbourne, a very large city. And so we really operate in this geographic area. And so, you know, I know a lot of our competitors and actually really good friends with them, but to say, hey, this is what excellence, this is what best looks like. And it's been great because as we work through stuff, it's like I'm not building stuff just to get to the next level of business. I'm actually, I've set, you know, we're at 25 staff. And the question that I run around in my mind on a regular basis is, 
what would a 200 person company look like? And so, you know, to give you an example of how that works, companies at our level don't typically, aren't typically very good at what's called automated testing. Automated testing is just a, it's a quality assurance mechanism, but it takes a lot of time and it's, it's hard to get good at. And, but the great companies at 200 Mm. plus, they are awesome at it. They do it really, really well. And so we've decided that one of our key points of difference is that we are going to be excellent at automated testing, which is a quality measure of the level of players above us. And so that kind of thinking about that long-term goal has been the thing that's driven for that. And that's an expensive thing. You know, my business partner and CTO is effectively about three, four days a week on that for kind of like six to nine months now. So we Mm. forfeited probably $150,000 in revenue this year in line with that long-term goal. But I have a real sense for where we're going with that. The next one down is this is where it starts to get kind of look more like marketing tactics is just saying, who's our target market? Let's define them and how are we going to reach them? What's the list? Where do we go to get to these people? And so, you know, for us, there's actually a couple of them that typically a mid-sized business owner or the, the, or the C-level person in a mid-sized company. So, you know, someone turning over kind of one to actually maybe up to $50 million is sort of that range. And knowing who that person looks like and, and what they need and, and how we're going to get to them and how we're going to, you know, how we're going to identify them. And it's tough for us because there's not a list, you know, there's not like, I can't go to a section of the mm. yellow pages and go, you know, this is the group. It's not, it's not like, but it has certainly given us real clarity on, on who that, that person is. And, and as soon as you start to clarify that, a lot of other things come in line. Your marketing comes in line. We changed a funky, fun website to a boring website that says, trust me with your three to $500,000 software project. That's essentially what we did because it was fun and funky, but all, and the design agencies loved it. But people who were risking a chunk of money out of their mid-sized business looked at it and said, you're too fun. I don't know that I can trust you. And it converts better. I'm sad to say, but the leads are better. We're doing much better lead flow, even though it's... That's not as not as fun. <laughs> you rang me up and bagged me and said, "Mate, that other one looked really cool." Now you've gone with something. <laughs> so that's question five. Question six is a great question. It says, "What are three things that you're going to be great at?" Because often when we we want to be kind of best in our market at something, but when you actually sit down and say, "You know, I'm going to be the best SEO firm in Australia." that's a really hard thing to measure. Like, how do you measure whether you're the best? Like, that's a tough nut to measure. And, and defining one thing to say that you're going to be the best at, I mean, take even automated testing, which we've done a lot of investment at, it's going to be a tough nut to be better at IBM than that. And so picking off three key areas and saying, okay, what are we going to be best at? You know, what, what are going to be the things that we're going to do really well that are going to give us a strategic edge in our space? And for us, we've nailed down three of those. That, that's actually still part of a debate that's, that's ongoing. And, and I would say to you, where are the techniques? That I'm, we're in section two now. When we go to section three, the techniques I'll give you in there, you can start rolling those out this week and, and you'll get really quick improvements from them. This vision and direction piece, these questions have helped me a lot, but I've still had to wrestle with them over kind of an 18 to 24 month period. And there's still parts of it that we're wrestling with, but it's kind of like we've gone from a pretty wide focus to a much clearer, narrower focus, and we're just trying to sharpen it up now. But the three things that you'll be unique at is, is one. The second last one is what is your proven process? And Dave, I couldn't think of anyone else that, that <laughs> made you are the process master. But for us, effectively what we're doing is, and we're using tools like System Hub are just so perfect for this, 
that essentially saying, okay, what are the business processes that we're going to define and how do things get done in this business? And it's funny, you know, I'm embarrassed to say when you sit down to write these things out and then you pass them amongst your leadership team and you pass them amongst the people who are executing on them, it's embarrassing to realize how much people thought that you did things differently. Like how much people go, no, no, that's not the way we run projects. We do this before this and that thing we don't even have to do. We only do it if we feel like it. It's like, wow. And it's kind of like, so I'm embarrassed that as we've gone and, and taken the time to document key processes around things and, and, and sought to get buy-in and debate amongst them, it has really clarified for us a range of areas of, of where people were just doing things differently. And it's like, wow, I didn't even know that was happening. How are we in business when those things were being done differently by core members of my team? It's like, so anyway, getting your processes in alignment and getting them sorted out is, is, is a big piece. But a proven process is saying, okay, what are the two or three processes that we're going to do really, really well? So for us, it's that upfront specification piece. It's the rollout of an effective project in really good time and engaging people in an agile fashion. And then it's creating the forever relationship. It's saying, okay, what does a great long-term relationship with a software provider look like? What needs to happen for that? So really those kind of key delivery processes work and defining what they are and getting really good at them. And then the last one, which we don't have yet, so this is just the one on the list, but a lot of people can really work well from this is, what's the guarantee? How are we going to take the risk out of this from a customer's perspective? What's the promise to the customer that, hey, we're going to deliver this point of excellence, and if we don't, there's a guarantee that hurts. What's that piece in, 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 terms, of, in terms of delivery? And, and I would put it to you that if you can get clear on these eight questions, you will have a much stronger, both kind of high-level vision and really through to sort of some pragmatism of what your business is in, what, what business you're in and what your business shape is going to look like. So that, that's kind of the second set of processes that I'd really encourage you to have a good hard look at. Is there questions around that, Dave? Yeah, a few. Is this something that gets documented, like the answer to these questions or discussed then documented or more just a discussion it, point? Yep. No, no, no. So it gets documented. So what we do is we essentially have a vision document. And so the vision document answers these questions. And yep. so part of it is a conversation that we'll have. In the next section, I'm going to talk about meeting rhythms. And one of the meeting rhythms we have is a two-day annual offsite. And so the yep. leadership team get together and, and we, we are that for us happens middle of the year, so it's coming up soon. And what we do is we will, we're starting to feed that conversation. And so there's, there's aspects of our technical specialization and the vision for that. And we're deciding to make key commitments around things like artificial intelligence and bits and pieces. And so we're sort of seeding those thoughts and getting lots of input. And then we're going to make some kind of consolidated decisions at the annual retreat. And that's the time for, for kind of that core. That core so piece. it's something that vision document then is uh, reviewed effectively twice a year. You, you have a document. No, so and so you the can... vision document is reviewed in, in actively reviewed four times a year. Yeah. Gotcha. And, and, and the process for doing that, I'll take you through in just a minute. Yeah, perfect. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that were the main things. And it, I can imagine the way that it looks. Is this something that you end up publishing, like that transparency? Yeah, it's, on, it's, on, it's on our private wiki. So, yeah, so I love it. the vision document sits on the private wiki. And the reality is our whole staff, it's there, it's public. It's not, there's in no way private, but our whole staff, our leadership team debate it and, and engage with it at a really deep level. Our whole staff mix, I'm looking for some other things for our staff. So for example, with the staff... Core values, absolutely. Yep. I talk about the core values every week. I find a way to weave it in. When I'm thanking somebody, 
I say one of our core values is being a great place to work. And one of my project managers really supported me incredibly well this week. And so rather than standing up at our weekly meeting with our staff and saying, hey, I just want to thank Alex for being a great support. I said, you know, one of our things that we really want to do is be a great place to work. And this week it was a great place to work for me because I was so well supported. And Alex, just want to thank you for making this a great place to work. And I'm just weaving the word great place to work in to that conversation just to make it part of the vernacular and part of the DNA of the place is kind of what we're trying to do. So Yeah, perfect. Makes sense. All right. So the third one is some processes that we're using really around meetings and accountability. And when people say meetings, it's like, oh, dear God, could you talk about anything more boring? We're going to discuss meetings. This is going to kill me. But you know, the reality is, is that we spend a lot of our time in meetings. And if we can do our meetings twice as well, we're actually going to push our companies forward really well. And, and as the leaders of businesses, a lot of our jobs is actually to run meetings in different forms. And so if you think about it, before I get into the specifics, I just want to talk about a couple of concepts to give us a little bit of background. And, and, and so, you know, one concept would be that most meetings are horrible. Like they, they just suck, you know, they, they lose track of the strategic. They're not strategically focused. You know, people argue their opinions rather than facts. You know, the debates can go round and round and round and, and then you get an outcome, but nobody actually owns it. Nobody actually is accountable to deliver on it. And you think, well, why did I even do it in the first place? And so I'm, we're going to go through a format that, that really seeks to turn that around and, and give you a much better way to run a meeting where it's short, it's succinct, people buy into it, you get to the root nub of issues and people walk out owning the responsibility to implement what you're doing. The second concept, and Dave, I think this is something that you do really well, is just the concept of creating a numbers-driven business. And it doesn't mean that we're not driven by other things of values and ethics, but, but having some clear numbers that stop me having a picture in my mind that is different from reality. And this, these are kind of those, those KPIs that you look at. And so the way we drive numbers in our business is we've got seven or eight key numbers that, that we look at every week as a leadership team. Takes us literally about two to three minutes. If you imagine a spreadsheet where each row is one of these measurables and each column is a week. And so every week, every number gets measured and we look at it every week and we kind of, we break it down. The numbers that drive our business and there'll be different part of people's discovery is to actually figure out their own numbers. But the ones that drive our business is current workload. So we just have a scale of one to five of of what our current workload is. And and if we're, one is actually we're overworked. We've got too much and we're going to let people down. Three to five is things are so bad. We actually need to start sacking people because we're going to go out of business and everything in between. But having that conversation of where we're up to and getting agreement on that is, is useful for us. Leads, how many new leads came in? And they're not just any lead. They're actually a lead that meets a criteria of, of a correct lead for us. Sales, what our sales is, we, we, we actually split that internal and external sales because we have a lot of repeat sales with customers. Uh, what our utilization is, we sell time. So we need to know our utilization numbers and have that ranked as a percentage. What our revenue is, what our net profit is. I'm thinking about changing net profit for maybe a gross profit measure, but at the moment we do it on net profit. Another one we actually have is uh, is an internal satisfaction measure. So a a staff satisfaction, like a a staff engagement measure. We have a tool that allows us to track that in a fun way. Uh, And then the two that we're not tracking, but we we are looking to to grow into, we've got them as sort of question mark lines ready for when we can get the the, the systems in place to, to track them effectively. One is the amount of time we spend in training. That's a key metric for us in terms of developing our staff. And the other one is a customer satisfaction score. So we're going to implement some kind of net promoter or something like that as a, as a score and, and just which haven't quite got that in, in place yet. But getting those key numbers and having, you can just um, you do it in Excel or we use Google Docs so everyone can share it, but having a spreadsheet where you pump the number in and the cells turn yellow, green or red, 
and everybody looks down at and the people who are responsible. So if I'm in charge of marketing, if the leads are in red, I'm not performing my job. If the staff utilization is, is poor, my head of operations isn't performing his job. If the sales is poor, then my sales guy isn't performing his job. And similarly, you know, that, that each one is accountable for the performance of one of those numbers is a really important factor. So that, that's creating a numbers-driven business. And then the third piece, and I'll kind of dig into this with a little bit more, is having the right, the word is actually cadence or the right rhythm for your meetings. So there are a lot of conversations that happen because people don't know the appropriate place to have them otherwise. So issues that come up in the business since we've established the right rhythms for our business, and so the rhythms that work for us is we have a daily stand-up, which goes for about 10 minutes amongst our management team, not the leadership team, the management team, which is the issues of the day, who's got what staff and what's going on. And it's the 10-minute catch-up. Anything needs to be debated. Everyone knows it's going to happen that day. Then we set the day and away we run. Then we have a weekly meeting, which I'll talk about in detail in a moment, but it effectively is our leadership team, and we, we meet as a weekly meeting, and we, we, we run that through. Then we meet quarterly and we meet annually. The quarterly meeting is a day where we take the leadership team off-site and we go to a, you know, a nice conference room somewhere and, and we're, we're very strategic about that day and it has a set agenda. And then annually, we have a two-day off-site. And since we started doing that, and, and I'll break down what we go and do in each of those, our capacity to be driven by the strategic has markedly improved. It, it's not just we're a little bit better. It's like we're a whole lot better. We, we are setting objectives at an annual and a quarterly level and we're holding ourselves accountable on a weekly basis to complete them. And we don't get them all done. But let me tell you, we, we are a lot further in front than we used to be. So let me break down some of the aspects of how we do our meetings. I'm actually going to start with the weekly meetings and then I'll build back up to the annual and I'll give you the kind of the rhythm for that. So we spend 90 minutes in our weekly meeting. It starts at 8.55 on a Wednesday morning and it ends at 10.25 and it's that specific. And the idea is, is that you get your coffee and you come to the meeting beforehand. Everyone's set up, ready to go. We'll often, you know, there's a little bit of joking around and at 8.55, we're on. And if you're not in the room by 8.55, like if it is 8.55 and you're not in the room, I'm on my mobile phone going, where are you? This is our special time. And so we lock that in each Wednesday and then just the, the rhythm of the meeting, this is out of the book Traction and it's, it's worked really well for us, is firstly, you share a bit of good news. Hey, what's going on in your world? You know, we started a basketball team and we won last night for the first time and it was fun. You know, whatever's going on and around the room. And, and so you take a couple of minutes, two to three minutes just to share some good news and it kind of breaks you, into, breaks you out of the, the, the day-to-day noise and it gets you into this is what we're doing and, and, and it's good for a little bit of rapport. Then we go into rapid fire reporting. So this is about 15 minutes and and the first five minutes of it, everyone has prepared their numbers either the day before or they've come into the meeting 15 minutes before and just got their numbers up on the spreadsheet. So we open up the spreadsheet and we look at it and we go down the numbers and we say, how are the numbers performing? And if they're not performing, we don't stop. We don't debate. We just agree there's a problem. Okay, sales are down or leads are down or staff satisfaction or whatever the thing isn't that it should be. That becomes an issue to discuss, and I'll get to issues in just a second. So we review our numbers. The next thing that we do is we do what's called a rock review. So a rock review is every member of the leadership team has typically about two rocks or goals that they've set on a 90-day basis, and they have to stand up every week and say, or don't stand up, but they, we go around the room, and it's, it's really quick. So it'll be 
Andrea, what's your situation? And she'll go, and, and she, so hers will be, like, there'll be the, the, the list will be up there. And if Andrea is the next in line, she'll go on track, on track. And I'll go, Alex, what's yours? And he'll go on track, done, as we're approaching our, our quarter. Scott will go on track, off track. And then he goes, and so, all right, so as soon as we know something's off track, it's like, okay, that's something that we're going to put on our issues list because yep. those 90-day objectives, they are what we agreed, and I'm stealing my own thunder here, but they're what we agreed at our 90-day at our quarterly retreat were the most important things that we could deliver on to move our company towards its strategic objectives. And so if we're on track off, the, if we're off track on some of those, we've got a problem. But it does create a lot of buy-in and a lot of ownership when every week you got to stand up and say off track, on track, off track, on track, and and you can't say mm. you're on track for 12 weeks and then not do it. At that point, you lack integrity. So so that's the next piece. Then and again, all of this is happening in kind of five-minute blocks. This whole numbers review thing is done in 15 minutes. It's not a long process. Next thing we do is we just say customer and employee headlines. So, you know, what's going on? Okay, XYZ customer is coming in for a major phase two review. Great opportunity, really excited about that. Had a heart to heart with one of our staff and they're thinking about, they've got family problems, they're thinking about moving to a different country. You know, what's going on in our world? And some of those might fall into issues and others of them, it's just a place to keep everybody on the same page. It, it avoids me having five different conversations. Everyone, my leadership team, walk out on a Wednesday morning and everybody knows what's going on. Then what we do is we do our to-do list review. So the to-do list is each week we wrestle with issues and ultimately we come to some agreement and that agreement is owned by one person. Now, if you own that thing, 90% of the time you have to produce that thing within the week. And so what happens is, is the to-do list is, okay, Scott, you agreed you were going to do this. What's the status? And so it's either done or it's not done. And if it's not done, it's deferred or it's dead. And you want to get 90% of your stuff done every week. So, so the idea is, is that when we get these to-dos, you know you're going to be asked. It's not just, hey, you should do this one day. And in fact, what we're finding now is we're busy. We've got stuff on our plate. Where oftentimes you'll have solutions to a problem and you'll go, you know what? A couple of those I can do now. But that other one, I'd, I think I might be able to do it, but actually it looks a bit big. I'm going to have to push that off and make that a rock or do something else. And so, so people are careful about the commitments they make because they know they're going to be held accountable. But, it, it, but overall, it's a great way to hold people accountable and get buy-in to, 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 to achieve a given outcome. So, so, this, so, so far, we're like 15 max, 20 minutes in. We've looked at our key numbers. We've held people accountable for the things they said they were going to do. And we've, we've kept everybody up to date with the key things that are happening in our business. And we're only 20 minutes in. The rest of the time, apart from the last five minutes, is dedicated to dealing with issues. Now, issues might sound like a negative word, like, you know, I've got, I've got problems in my business. The reality is everything's an issue, whether it's an opportunity or a problem, they're just they're two sides of the same coin. So what it is, is we have a, we've got a collaborative Google document for this because it's just easy for people to work with and you could do it on a whiteboard, but a a document's nice, is we have an issues list and anybody can put an issue up. They can be simple things. They can be big things. I I might pull it up in a second and and look at what some of the ones we've got running at the moment. But the idea is, is that people raise the issues that they think are important to the business at this point. You know, one of them might be, hey, uh, leads have fallen off. We're not getting the volume of leads that we need through. Okay, that's an issue. So and so's off off track with their rock. That's an issue. We need to we need to bring that up. Then what we do is we've got this list of issues, and everyone's got a name of the person who nominated it, and we just go around the room and we just vote. We just say, what do you think is most important? And we, we once you've done this a few times and you encourage speed, people will go. 
I think this, 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 this. And essentially, we'd like to get a bit of consensus, but largely we're just saying, okay, this one got three votes and the rest got one or two. And unless we give the people who didn't get it 10 seconds to sway us, if they can't sway us, that's the issue. And some meetings, we only deal with one issue. Other meetings, we'll get through five or six. So it just depends on the nature of these issues. But there's a really good way of working through an issue that once you've done it a couple of times, it sounds really inefficient up front. Like it sounds like, gee, that's a tedious way to do it. But once you've experienced it a couple of times, you never want to wrestle with issues in a different way. In terms of dealing with issues, the process is called an IDS issues session. And so I stands for identify. So the first thing is, is to say, okay, what is the issue? And it's really common that someone will say, we've got a problem with XYZ customer. And oftentimes in in the identification piece, nobody is trying to argue for any solution. You're not allowed to solve the problem. All you're allowed to do is agree on what the problem is. And and when you put people in that mindset, what often happens is, is there's a problem, but there's actually an underlying problem. So, you know, the problem is we've got this project that we're losing money on. And the underlying problem is actually we we lost money on it because we took the wrong kind of work on because we broke one of our cardinal rules because we thought we needed the work or something else. So there's this underlying Mm -hmm. piece that that is happening. And so you spend however long it takes for everybody in the room to agree on what the actual issue is. Now, that might not sound like much, but so much of discussion happens when somebody raises something and everybody jumps to solutions, but mentally we are not on the same page of what the problem is. And when you force people to go, okay, this is the problem, I think it's, and someone goes, I think it's actually this underneath. And someone says, I think this is a a slight element of the problem. And you're not trying to solve it. You're just going, okay, do we actually, we've all agreed. Yep, yep, yep. No, okay, that's the problem. It started off like this, but no, this is actually the problem. Then we move to the discuss phase. Now, the discuss phase has some rules. So the discuss phase is you can talk about it. You can ask clarifying questions. You can dig into things. You can even have an opinion. But the thing you're not allowed to do is you're not allowed to politic. So politicking mm. is where you just say the same thing again and again and again. It's the, it's the, you know, the three-word soundbite. None of that. If you've said something, we respect the room enough that everybody heard it the first time. You're just not allowed to say it twice. So we discuss and we can, we can have some discussion around it. But when people take the approach of, hey, we've got a clear problem and I just want to get a bit more clarity or I want to throw something into the mix that I don't think others have yet heard because we're not allowed to solve yet, we're still the discussion piece, in many cases, it's still a very short and efficient conversation. Then the third piece is the solving piece. So the solving piece is anybody can suggest a solution. We can suggest, and you're not allowed to tear down other people's suggestions. You're not allowed to say, that's a crap idea. It's just, this is this, this is us, this is what we're trying to do. Or this is what I think would solve it. And often one problem, it's not uncommon for it to have five or even seven solutions. Then the last piece is, is we agree on a solution and we assign somebody to own the rollout of that solution. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the process. But when you get a clear problem and you all agree on it, when you've discussed it and people have sort of felt like they've been heard, when you put up, when anyone's allowed to put up solutions, I would say that at least 80% of the time, selecting the solution happens in 30 seconds or less. It's like everyone goes, oh, we should do number two and number four. And you'll go, yeah, 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 yeah. Because all the other ones everyone looked at, yeah, they were, they were vaguely all right ideas, but two and four is going to do it. Now, one in five times you might have some debate around it, but 
even the process has set you up for respectful debate because everybody's been, people have been heard. You haven't tried to ride over the top of people. No one's been politicking. I don't know what it is, Dave, but there is magic in that formula. Just Mm -hmm. in terms of clarify the problem, discuss without politics. Anyone can propose a solution and you agree it. And somebody in the group, actually, the way we do it, we have our, like a Google document on a, we're in a boardroom with a projector on the projector and we're just writing notes out and people are reading it going, oh yeah, I think that, I think that. And it turns it into an analytical problem solving exercise, not a political thing. And Mm. for us, mate, you can rip through stuff. You can get to the nub of a lot of issues really, really quickly. And the great thing is, is you agree on proposed solutions and somebody is responsible to roll them out. Somebody is responsible for doing them. And, and the other thing that happens is so much love a proposed solution. It's like, you know, A and B, we can do those pretty quickly. But number C, that's like a two-year project to solve that. That then gets pushed back up to the quarterly and the annual levels, which we'll talk about in a minute. And it's like, well, we've all agreed we're going to do the quick things that we can and we're going to live with peace that we know we don't have the headspace to do the big thing because we're actually, it's important, but it's not the most important. And now we're at peace about that. Yeah. So that's the, the, the process. And then to round out the meeting, we simply have, we review our to-dos. And if you've been through six IDS issues, you might have, everyone might have one or two to-dos that come out of that. We review the to-dos, confirm people's ownership, and that's just listing them out. And then we do, we, we do two other things. We just go around the room and say, okay, any cascading messages we need to tell to the company? Oh, yep, that thing we've agreed on, we should bring that up at our company-wide meeting, which we have once a week for over lunch. And then other than that, we just go around the room and say, how do we go? You know, how yeah. is this meeting? one to 10. And, and, and typically, you know, these are eight out of 10 meetings from some pretty skeptical people. Computer nerds can be pretty skeptical. So anyway, that is the weekly meeting. And magic happens when you do this. People feel like the big issues, they don't need a champion for them during the week. They don't need to come and beat your door down because they know they're going to have their chance every week to raise the issues. Stuff's going to get dealt with every week. Now, the level above that is the quarterly retreat. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going weekly, quarterly, annual. So at the yeah. quarterly retreat, we essentially get there and assume that we've got this vision document sorted out or we, we've drafted that and we've agreed, hey, these are the key things. This is who we're trying to become. This is what we're looking at. Then what we get to do is it's really just two activities at this quarterly retreat, apart from a bit of a review of the quarter and some numbers and stuff. But um, you, know, you might look at your quarterly profit and, and, and things you've achieved. But most of your time is spent doing Just a couple of basic things. The first one is everybody in the room asks themselves the question, what is the one to three things that I should focus on that by doing them, they will push my department most towards our combined strategic goal? And so everybody sets themselves a rock. And so for us, to to give you an example, my rock for this quarter is we have in years gone by, sold time on an hourly basis. And we found that when we get developers to work on a full day at a time, they're actually like 30% more productive. And so we're rolling mm. out day-based arrangements and we're putting in place financial incentives and other things to work on a day rather than on, on smaller ad hoc basis for our ongoing clients. But there's a lot of mechanics in that. There's a lot of bits and pieces. And that is my rock for this quarter. Roll out day-based billing rather than hourly rate billing. And other people in the room have got now, our salesman has got a key project around improving the professionalism and the quality of our written sales materials. 
and he's got he's got one other rock as well, and they are his two rocks, and every week he's held accountable for those. But both all of those fall in alignment with the key strategic goals that we've got as a company. And so each person sets those and proposes those to the group. So first session is the first bit of time is what spend some time thinking about your rocks, talking about them, and we'll we'll have a bit of a debate. But ultimately, as your department head, you get to set what your rock is for, for the piece. Then the next thing we do is we deal with high level. IDS, high-level issues. So some issues are actually, they're they're too big to deal with on a week-to-week basis. You know, the issue of should Alliance Software specialise in artificial intelligence or should we get better at mobile app development? I'm not going to decide that at a whim during a week. There's a big strategic decision for what the next five years of our company looks like. And so we get to put high-level IDS issues and we exactly the same process. It's just at a higher level. What's the issue? Discuss it. What are some possible solutions? Roll them out. And then the things that roll out of there have the option of becoming rocks. So the way we do it is we just say, okay, towards the end of the day, we set our rocks up front because that's fun and strategic. We dealt with big issues. And then each of us has the opportunity to say, actually, after our debate today, I'm going to change one of my rocks. I'm going to deal with that key issue as my rock and, and we, we get to change it up. But every quarter, we think about it. We start by looking at our strategy and we set big goals for each team member to deliver in line with that strategy. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So it's a process that, that we found really effective. Oh, the other thing we do is we, we just go somewhere nice and we go out for a nice lunch. We just hang out. So we spend a bit of time. Yeah. And then the last one is we do this on an annual basis. So when we go on an annual basis, we go away somewhere. We book a hotel. We go somewhere nice. We make sure we go out for a nice dinner. If possible, partners might come and join us for that evening and you know, that we, we go somewhere nice so that we can hang out and do some social stuff. But what we do during that, the annual retreat is actually a court one. The second day is actually just a quarterly retreat done once as part of the annual process. And, but the first day is all about strategy. So it's asking, it's doing things like saying, okay, it's reviewing our, our vision and saying, we're going to take some time to challenge that. We're going to pull that apart. What's right about that? We've done another year of time together. What do we need to tweak and do we need to change? And so we pull that apart and we also do a SWOT analysis or or a competitor analysis. We say, where is the industry going? Where are things moving? And as the leader of the business, it's my responsibility to be, I don't just think about this once a year. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about that on a regular basis, but it's the time when, you know, the head of operations and the head of sales and other bits and pieces, they all get input into that thinking. And we will, it sounds funny, but every year, we reset our three-year goals. So we've kind of got yeah. our big 10-year goal and we've got our three-year goals. And it might sound, well, don't you run them for three years and then change them and say, no, we actually, at the moment, we actually reset them every three years because it's deciding what our next three years are going to look like. And they're not often radical departures. They're more a refinement. You know, they're saying, actually, what we set, th- you know, when we first did this was a little bit naive. Now we've seen the stuff, hey, we can shoot higher on some of these, but other of these we need to be a bit more conservative and, and away we go. So, so, so that's the annualized process. But yep. when you put all those together, what you actually have is a really simple way to decide the vision and the structure of your company, a great way to break it down into quarterly objectives, a way to keep people accountable every week, a space to deal with the issues that come up in your company, a way to make people accountable for the core deliverable numbers. One thing I didn't mention about numbers, and I think it's really important to know, you want numbers that are in tension with each other. So for example, you want things that are both, uh, let, let me give you an example. Staff satisfaction, customer satisfaction, and financial performance, I can get really good on any one of those by destroying the other two. You know, I can, yeah, if I yeah. can make my, pro- short term, I can make my profit great by 
alienating our customers and running my staff into the ground. Those as a measure in tension with each other, you know, my staff would be much happier if I gave them two days a week of full-time training, but my, my financial performances would suffer. And so having numbers that actually pull in tension and, and give you that tension is really important. And the other thing about numbers that I think is important is you want your numbers to be leading and lagging. You want some that look, at, look ahead. So things like lead generation is a leading indicator. The leads that I get today realistically tell me what my business sales are going to be like in something like two to six months time in the nature of our business. Some of our leads can take, it's rare that they're turned around inside sort of four to five weeks. And so that's a leading indicator. Whereas a financial performance measure is a lagging indicator. It's, it's a reflection on, on the profit or the loss we made in the last period. So there's pieces of that that people would be going, yeah, I've heard all that before. And, and, and my only challenge would be, I'd actually heard of this stuff for a number of years, but gee, when I sat down and did it, it made a significant difference. And so if you're listening to this and you haven't put these in place, take a step of faith and put them in place. They will make a big difference. Your team will be much more energized. You'll have a much greater sense of your own passion and where you're taking your company and people will line up. It will actually drive your business forward in a way that not doing them doesn't. I think what I like is management and leadership. It's such a broad, big topic. So be able to break it down into almost like an overview system that explains, well, here's how to manage a team that would be very easily replicable and you could deploy that in just about any business. When it comes to the actual implementation, how do you actually oversee this, make it it happen and get done? Because you said, oh, look, you know, as the leader, you're kind of taking a little bit of ownership there and driving it forward. Um, are we talking down to the point of, hey, we've got a calendar set up and those key dates of when these things are going to happen, those meetings are in on the calendar and everybody's sharing it and when it comes down to actually happening? So the administration is, I do the administration, but, and I'm not someone who wants to take on administrative tasks, but it's not hard. It's not hard at all. So Literally, the way we do it is we have a weekly agenda and the weekly agenda, we just it's a, an electronic document in a folder. We just copy the last one and change the date so it's the next one down on the list. And it's got each of the to-dos from the last time and you just literally copy and paste them into the previous to-dos and you, and you hold people accountable for that. There's a section at the bottom, I didn't mention this, called admin. And admin is just what our next upcoming meeting is. And in this case, it's our annual retreat happening in about four weeks' time. And so... In four weeks' time, we've got you know, listed out the annual retreat. And, and, and so the mechanics of these is pretty easy. In terms of the agenda, again, one of the things that I was nervous about is if I take my staff away for a day or take them away for two days, what are we going to do? And yeah. so, but funnily enough, and now that we've got these agendas, like at the quarterly retreat, it's just like, okay, catch up on the numbers, go through those and literally just set your rocks, have some, a set amount of discussion time about that and people present back why they're going to do and what they're going to do. Do some high-level IDS, have lunch and agree on your rocks to sign off with. It's a great day and you've nailed it. And similarly, you do that and then on annual, like now that I've done these, I know what the agenda is going to be. I literally just pull out the agenda document for that time and the only thing I change is the times on the, on the slots if we're starting at a venue a bit earlier than we did last year, it's pretty straightforward to administer. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I'm looking forward to seeing this almost written in a document type format, which we'll be able to do. And I think you mentioned you might even have some notes that you'll be able to. I'm really happy. I'll just share you house, mate. It's fine. No problems. 
Yeah, perfect. Well, maybe we'll wrap up there. I think you, you covered it extremely well. And if people have got questions, I'm sure they'll be able to seek you out. We'll have links through to the Alliance Software website. I know you're also including something in the bonus bundle as well. So if people are interested in getting some software development, they can find out more about that. I don't know if you wanted to mention that now, or we'll just put all the details in the bonus bundle area. One of the values that we didn't, that I didn't mention before is just this whole notion of adding value. And so we just want, we want to add value to all the people that we have any kind of exposure to. And, and if you look at what we do, most of the software that we build actually solves a process problem. There'll be someone who'll have, okay, you know, I've got a problem with, I need some sort of software arrangement in customer service or in finance, or maybe it's a combination of between customer service and finance. And so, so our offer is tell us about your business problem particularly about your business process problem. Where are the processes that you need that are tailored to you and the thing that you're, you do, especially in your business, but it's just like, man, I've got data over there and I just can't get it over here. Or I've got this thing here and it doesn't talk to this or I need something that's just going to coordinate and pull these bits and pieces together. We've got specialists who have seen more systems than you've had hot dinners. They've looked at a lot of this stuff and we've designed solutions around all sorts of industries. And, and so the offer is, hey, we'll do a 45-minute session with you. you you'll, you'll ring us up, you'll say, hey, these are the key challenges. And a, a lot of the time, you know, it might be that we say, hey, you actually don't know, but there's this great off-the-shelf package that actually nails what you want to do. We could build you a piece of expensive custom software because custom software does come at a reasonable price tag, but we actually know this thing. Or it might be, you know what, you're actually doing something really unique and that is going to require a tailored solution. But a tailored solution, if you think about it, you know, I don't know whether I should be proud to say this or not, but we've built a lot of systems that have taken, you know, people have turned around at the end of the system and gone, well, now there's three people in my business who actually have nothing to do all day. Our offer is, hey, give us, give us your worst one. Give us your hardest problem, your hardest business process problem, and give us 45 minutes and, and let's see if we can't add some, you know, shed some light in your world as to how you might go about cracking that nut, and we'd love to have a chat about that. Perfect. So all the details for that will be in the bonus bundle area. So take a little bit of a look at that. Ben, just wanted to yes, be respectful of your time. It's uh, late in the evening and I appreciate how much detail you went into there. It was above and beyond. And I know a lot of people are going to get a lot of value from this. So thank you very much for that. Thanks, mate. Always a pleasure. You've just been listening to the System Hub Podcast. Remember, we've documented this system for you so you can literally swipe and deploy it within your business. Head to www.systemhub.com forward slash podcast to download it now.